from Hollywood, Romance. Romance. Transcribed stories of love and adventure, of comedy and crisis, of conflict and human emotion. Today, the story of a man who could not live in the present and could not forget the past until he came face to face with it one hot afternoon in Rome. Vic Perrin stars in William Keneally's story, Roman Afternoon. Rome was different. Oh, there were plenty of Americans along the Via Veneto, but they no longer wore the green scarf of the Fifth Army. The Excelsior Hotel was different, too. In the days when Rome was just another bivouac on the bloody march up the boot, the Excelsior was reserved for staff officers and VIPs. So, naturally, it was out of bounds to me. Today, anybody can get in. Anybody who has $20 a day for a room... So, naturally, that's where we stayed, Helen and I. Coming to Rome was my idea. Staying at the Excelsior was Helen's. No wonder it's like the Palmer House in Chicago during a convention. Mildred Higginlooper, whatever are you doing in Rome? Helen! Well, 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 it is a small world. <laughs> Hello, Mildred. Gee, this is wonderful. When did you get here? How long have you been staying? We just flew down from Paris this morning. And from what I've seen, I'm ready to go right back. This hotel can't compare to the George V in Paris. And I hear the men pinch you right on the street. That's right, but you get used to it. They're so handsome, not me. Oh, darling, believe me, Rome is heaven. Not the least bit like Des Moines. You didn't expect it to be, did you, Mildred? Well, no, of course not. Rome is the most wonderful city in the world. Yes, dear. Mildred, that's all I've heard since we left home. What am I saying? That's all I've heard since we've been married. I swear to hear Jim talk, you'd think he had some unfinished business here left over from the war. Maybe I have. <laughs> Look out, your unfinished business doesn't finish you. You're not as young as you once were, buddy boy. <laughs> Will you shut up? Jim. I'm fed up with your yak, yak, yak. What? Jim. You've complained about the food and the prices and the service. You've compared every cathedral in Europe to the Baptist Church in Des Moines and every old master to Grant Wood. You haven't closed your mouth since we started on this trip. And I'll kiss a carabiniere at high noon in the Piazza di Popolo if, if, if you said one intelligent word. Where are you going? Out. But what am I going to do? Why don't you catch a movie? I hear Gone with the Winds playing at Lowe's Lasagna with English titles. Jim! Now, now. Oh, darling. Mildred, I'm sorry you had to witness this. Now, you just forget all about it, Helen. Come on. I'll take you to Alfredo's for lunch. You'll love it. Everybody, but everybody goes to Alfredo's every day. I, I just don't know what's come over him, Mildred. Ever since we left home, he's gotten crankier and crankier. But he never walked out on me before. And we got tickets for the opera tonight. And what's a carabinieri? A policeman. Now let him go, honey. He'll be back in time for the opera. They always come back. American men. What you need is to have your hand kissed by a European. You'll never be the same again. <laughs>
As I walked down the Via Veneto toward the Piazza Barberini, the cool shade of the plane trees untied the hard knots inside me. And it was as though there were two of me. For beside me strode the tall, thin combat infantryman I had once been. The B.A.R. man up from Salerno and the Volturno and Bloody Anzio. And it was another hot June afternoon. The afternoon Mark Clark's tanks rolled into Rome bedecked with garlands of crazy, laughing girls. This, Joe. Wow, I never saw so many tomatoes in my life, at least so many ripe ones. <laughs> Ciao, Joe. Hey, what do you know? She knows my name. Tutti gli americani si chiamano Joe. No capisce, no speaking Italian, but that don't make no difference. We don't need to talk. <laughs> hey, what's the matter with your girlfriend? What's she crying for? Sure, sure, I think I have a dozen. Hey, kids, what do you say we tie on the feed bag, huh? Eat, you know, spaghetti vino. <laughs> okay, Joe. Oh, you do speak the English. Okay, Joe. Fine, that's all the English you gotta know. I wonder what she'd do for a carton of cigarettes, Jim. Do you want for me to ask her? Uh-oh, shut my mouth. This one's speaking the English. Uh, a little. Uh, I... Hope you'll forgive my friend. He was only kidding. Oh, Capisco. Why are you crying? I cry because I am happy. Oh. I thank you for coming, for giving us back Rome. Ah, that's okay. Think nothing of it. Now, how about it? Let's all get ourselves a little chow. Chow? Ciao means hello in Italiano. In American, it means food. Oh, it's strange. Ciao, Joe. Hey, how she know my name? Paula thinks all Americans are named Joe. <laughs> oh, well, they aren't, but I am. Now, what about ciao? Ciao, Joe. You bet, Pauli. If you would be so kind, come. My mother will fix food. Oh, uh, uh, Joe didn't mean that. We'll take you to a restaurant. My mother owns a restaurant, La Gioconda. It's just down this little street. Oh, well, in that case, let's give Mama our business. Uh, but you will not pay. Oh, no, we're, we're not looking for handouts. I wish. My mother will wish. We wish to thank you. Well, let's go, then. What are we waiting for? Oh, now, you're sure it'll be all right? I am sure. Come. Oh, Boy, oh boy, Jim, looks like we're in like Flynn. This has turned out to be quite a war. Joe, I never saw such a beautiful face in all my life. Oh, now listen, buddy, you ain't going to spoil everything by falling in love, are you? I already have. This is the ristorante of my mother. Enter, please. Mamma, guarda chi ti ho portato. Dei soldati americani. This is my mother, signori. How do you do, ma'am? It's awfully nice of you to have us, ma'am. E chi sono? Americani. Dei veri americani. Mamma mia, quando sono grossi. E hanno pure fame. And this is Paola's brother, Gino. He is mama's waiter. Hiya, Gino. Buongiorno, signore. I'm glad to meet you, Gino. Signore. Andiamo, Gino. Si, si. Paola. Venita in cucina. Hey, where are they going? To fix the food. Hey, hey, let me help, too. You know, this is very kind of you. It is a great pleasure for us. What's your name? Rosanna. Rosanna. It's like music. And you? How are you called? James. James? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Giacomo, you are Giacomo. Yeah, 
I guess that's the way you say it in Italian. My friends call me Jim, though, and people who really like me call me Jimmy. Jim. Jimmy, see. Jimmy is good. It tastes good on my tongue. Where is she now? This Rosanna who found my name so pleasing so long ago. Might I find her along the narrow sidewalk of the Via Sistina, which we used to climb on our way to the Borghese Gardens? Or perhaps here at the top of the Spanish Steps, sweeping in graceful steepness from the church of the Trinita dei Monte down to the lunatic traffic on the Piazza di Spagna far below? Everything was just as I remembered it. The children played their timeless games on the steps, just as they always had. And later, when the sun sinks beyond the great dome of St. Peter's, the swallows will surely fill the evening air with graceful swooping and tiny squeaks of twilight happiness, while the bells of a thousand Roman churches peal out in muted cacophony, just as they will forever in this city of eternal beauty, just as they did that wartime evening so long ago. It is the saddest and the most beautiful time. Beautiful, but not sad. I think it is sad to watch another day die. But there's a new day tomorrow. In between, a a night filled with stars. Yes, see, a moon, a full moon. I ordered it especially for us. You are wonderful, Jimmy. Mia... Carissima, bellissima Rosanna. Vero. Vero. Today, the Tiber still finds its sluggish way past Hadrian's tomb and laps the timeless banks of Caesar City. The great ruined galleries of the Colosseum still lock tight an oval of clear Roman sky. But never again will they frame such a moon as once they did that night so long ago. Oh, I wish I could make that moon stay right where it is forever. I wish I could make time stop. I wish we could be like this for as long as this wall shall stand. No dawns, no sunsets. No bright noons? No. Nothing but you and me like this. Always and always. But nothing stands still. Everything must move forward or backward. I know, I know. And you will move forward. You will leave one day to go on to the north to fight your war. I have to. I know. And I will go backward. Further and further backward in your memory. Until at last, I will no longer be because you will no longer think of me. No, no, I'll come back for you. Will you? Yes, when the war is over, I'll come back and I'll take you to America with me. What if you don't come back? But I will. What if you are killed? Men do get killed in the war. Oh, they can't kill me now. I've got something to live for, everything. Oh, I nearly forgot. What, Jimmy? I nearly forgot to ask you. Will you marry me? Oh, yes. Yes, Jimmy, yes, yes. 
Amore mio. But that was in the moonlight a long time ago. The Coliseum is hot and hard and ugly now in the baking sun. Rosanna had been right, at least partially right. What do you want to go marry an Aitai for, the boys had said. Are you sure she'd be happy in America, your mother had written. The army takes a dim view of such marriages, the company commander had said. It's a dirty trick on Helen, your conscience had said. After all, everyone in Des Moines expects you two to be married as soon as the war's over. And you listen to them, all of them. The cynics, the wise guys, the well-intentioned loved ones. But you never stopped listening to Rosanna either. And I will go backward, further and further backward in your memory. Until at last, I will no longer be because... You will no longer think of me. But she was wrong there. How very, very wrong. Have you ever ceased to think of her? Has a day gone by when you haven't remembered Rosanna? Rosanna, whom you've hurt so badly, and who without malice or intention has built a prison of remembrance around you from which there is no escape. Turn back from the past to which there is no returning. Turn back from the recent past as dead as these ancient ruins. Turn to the empty, noisy future. Back up the Via Veneto. Lose yourself in the swirling, chattering crowd, in the rude flatulence of the motor scooters and the screaming cacophony of Italian traffic. But can you? No, I didn't come all this way to taste the bitter sweetness of memory. I came back across space and time to find Rosanna, to tell her that I love her, that I have always loved her. Taxi! 24 via Gabriele, il ristorante Gioconda. La Gioconda, the restaurant of the mother of Rosanna. The tiny restaurant where that woman of great heart and great bosoms had thanked you and your buddy with spaghetti and wine for giving her back her beloved city. Nothing has changed. The same tables on the same tiny terrace, the same sign needing a coat of paint, everything the same. Cosa desidera? Uh, you are Gino? Si, sono Gino. Do you remember me? Remember, ma questa parola... Ah, sì, 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 ricordo, no, no, signore. I regret... Don't that... you remember the day we liberated Rome? Jimmy! <laughs> oh, no, no, non è possibile. Jimmy, il soldato americano. That's right. Oh, Jimmy. Formidabile. <laughs> so long time. It's good to see you again, Gino. <laughs> you, you look well. Just the same. Oh, well, maybe not exactly the same. We get older and heavier. Ah, uh, sicuro, Jimmy. Troppa pasta, eh? <laughs> but then nothing stands still. Everything moves forward or backward. But this is not time for philosophy. This is time for celebration. You have a little glass with me. Sure I will. Well, then, I get some vino. Uh, tell me, Gino... Does Rosanna's mother still own this place? 
Oh, no, 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 Jimmy, no, no. She's now with the angels of heaven. Now I am the padrone. And uh, Rosanna? She's well. You see her often? Si. Eh, salute. Salute. Do you uh, know where she lives? Si. Where? Tell me where. I've got to see her. I've got to talk to her. Why? I was in love with her, Gino. See? And she was in love with me. Yes, yes, yes. I know. No. That was a long time ago. I have never forgotten her, Gino. Perhaps uh, she has forgotten you. Oh, I don't think so. We were too much in love. Addio mia. Mia moglie. The voice that blared out of the dark interior of the little restaurant sounded like Rosanna's mother. Only Gino had said she was dead. And then the owner of the voice appeared in the doorway. She was heavy set and bosomy and seemed somehow familiar. She looked like Rosanna's mother, even to the mole on the chin. Jimmy, how are you, Jimmy? What are you doing in Roma? Oh, it is so good to see you again. Aha, you forget Rosanna. I told you you would. Is it really you, Rosanna? Sure, it's me. I change, uh, I get fat. <laughs> no, no, only... You change too, Jimmy. You get fat too. What are you doing in Rome? You have a wife, Jimmy? Yes, I'm married. Good, good. How many kids you got? None, I'm afraid. Oh, that's bad, bad. You should have lots of kids. Gino and me, we have four. Gino uh... and you? Merci, good. Hey, what's the matter with you, Gino? You don't tell Jimmy we're married. Tell you, ma'am, uh, I didn't have a chance yet. You talk too much. Cosa è questo qui? I came to look for something I lost a long time ago. You find it? No. No, I've looked everywhere. I guess it's lost for good. Was it important, Jimmy? No, I guess it really wasn't as important as I thought it was. Echo, lacrima Christi. Ah, see, si, it's better. Eh, eh. Salute, Jimmy. Salute, salute. Salute. So, everything worked out okay for you, huh, Jimmy? You marry nice American girl, you rich. I'm not rich. Ah, all Americans are rich. You remember the sister of Gino, Paola? Paola. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, I do. How is she? She's rich. She married to American lieutenant just after the war. Now she lives in Chicago. She has a big car, a big television, a big fat husband. Ma she's not happy. Gino and me, we got four fat bambini. Maybe five. Sicuro, maybe. We have no car, no television, no money. But we have a little restaurant, so... Anyway, we, we don't go hungry. I think I am more lucky than Paola. I'm sure you are. Ecco, Giovannini. What does he want now? What does he want? Why don't you go find out? Mo vado a bere. Quando scocci. Se non ci vado io, chi ci va? Su padre, no, davvero. Manco sai che è una fascia. E vattene, cicciona. 
Tu fai il tuo lavoro che io faccio il mio. Sì, invece di stare a fare niente tutto il giorno, mi vesti i numeri. Niente tutto il giorno, sai? Ma di right back, Jimmy, mi scusi. Eh. <laughs> well, Jimmy. Rosanna looks fine, just fine. She's a fine woman. But, you know, she talks so much. Like my wife. <laughs> like all women. Now, you don't have to listen. When the way she talks, to you, I mean. Of course, I don't understand it. Hey, let her talk. She enjoys it. Jimmy, there's only one important thing. What's that? Who wears the pants in the family? So she talks, my, I'm the papa, and she knows it. So everybody's happy, huh? Yeah, everybody's happy. Hey, no, okay, uh, where are you going, Jimmy? Oh, my wife will be waiting for me at the hotel. You say goodbye to Rosanna for me, will you? No. I thought you had something you wanted to say to her. No, not any longer. I, I said it all a long time ago. Jim, thank heavens you're back safe. I was worried about you. I'm sorry, darling. Uh, and I'm sorry about losing my temper today, too. Did you have a good time with Mildred? Did I? Is she the gay one? Let me tell you. Why, she knows half the men in Rome. Coming around the table and bowing and kissing our hands. What a town this is. I really believe I could... But I forgot. I talked too much. Go ahead. I like it. You what? I like to hear you talk. I swear, Jim, I, I just can't make you out sometimes. You're so unpredictable. Oh, my, look at the time. We've got to start dressing or we'll be late for the opera. Oh, we're not going to the opera tonight. Why not? I've got other plans. Would you mind letting me in on them? Well, not at all. I want to show you the sunset from the top of the Spanish steps. And then later I want to show you the... Coliseum in the moonlight. Oh, darling, it sounds wonderful. It is. And there's no one in the world I'd rather see them with than you. is produced by William Frug and was today directed by William N. Robeson. Roman Afternoon was adapted for radio by Mr. Robeson from an original story by William Keneally and starred Vic Perrin as Jim. Others in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Nan Boardman, Paul Duboff, Peg LaCentra, and Jay Novello. Musical supervision by Jerry Goldsmith. This is Dan Coverley inviting you to hear Romance transcribed next week at this same time. Every Sunday, the Woolworth Hour brings you talented and creative personalities who are exploring new directions in music, and tomorrow is no exception. Stay tuned now for Gunsmoke, which follows immediately on most of these same stations.
Costello program, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Brought to you by Camel, the cigarette of costlier, properly aged tobaccos. The Abbott and Costello program, with the modern rhythm of Will Osborne and his orchestra, Iris Adrian, our singing star Connie Haynes, and spotlighting that chubby, chunky little cherub who, when caught trying to rent his kid brother to a freak show because he heard his mother say he had grown another foot, calmly said, I'm a bad boy! Well, Costello, late again. Here I get you a nice job in Melonhead's department store, and on the very first day you come in late for work. Well, what's your excuse this time? Well, Abbott, I, I've been out on Hollywood Boulevard, and I was watching the Santa Claus parade. Yes. And what a parade! I know that. First came the big bunch of movie stars, and then came Santa Claus, and after Santa Claus came the beautiful Lady Godiva on a big white horse. Well, what came after Lady Godiva? The cops. The cops. Oh. <laughs> Stop talking like a child. Horses in a Christmas parade. Oh, they had all kinds of animals in a parade, Abbott. You should have seen that great big giraffe. Giraffe? Yeah, you know what, Abbott? What? I wish I was the body of a giraffe and Lana Turner was the head. You wish you were the body of a giraffe and Lana Turner was the head? Why? I always wanted the long neck with Lana Turner. Gosh, now I Get busy and dust off those counters. Come on. No, you dust off the counters. Get over there and dust them off. Abbott, I've got to hang up this sign. Oh, boy, isn't that a beautiful sign? What does it say? Look at it. Original gowns by Costello. Nifty creations, dresses, and capes for slender young figures and droopy old shapes. <laughs> C. Pierre Costello, the great French designer. <laughs> Wait a minute. How can you call yourself a French designer? I mean, designer. <laughs> have you ever been... Have you ever been to Paris? Oui, oui. I'm a well-known parasite. And... Uh... <laughs> and did you study the latest styles? Oui. Did you look over the French models? Wow! Uh... <laughs> I see. I see. In other words, you like mannequins. No, I like girlikins. You like girlikins? Yes, babykins. Uh, I'll talk fast. <laughs> Answer that. Okay, 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 okay. Hello? Melon Heads Department Store. Uh, pardon me, but do you have a large aluminum pot? Yes, I have. My heavens, how do you get your pants on? <laughs> hey, that's a very... That's a big belly laugh. I think I'll pull it on Abbott. Hey, Abbott, have you got a large aluminum pot? No, but I've got a six-cup percolator. Now, what am I going to do with the pants? <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of talking to you. If you want me, I'll be in ladies' lingerie. You'll be where? I'll be in ladies' lingerie. Well, that's a nice picture. You're going to wear scanties for panties? No, 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 no. <laughs> Tell me, I'm going over there to pick out a blouse for my wife. Uh, a peekaboo. A what? Peekaboo. Okay. Peekaboo! No. <laughs> I see you. I didn't know you liked to play kitty games. Look, will you shut up? I'm going to get my wife a blouse and a nice pair of mules. A pair of mules? Yes. I wonder what my wife would say to a pair of mules. Well, she'd probably say like everybody else. Whoa, and giddy up. <laughs> I'm talking about a pair of bedroom mules. Bedroom mules? Yes, my wife has all kinds of mules in her bedroom. Red mules, green mules. Why, she even has a pair of chicken mules. Hey, Abbott, do you see all those different colored mules with your own eyes? Well, certainly I see them every night. In fact, I saw them this morning. Let me smell your breath. Look, you dummy, doesn't your mother have mules in her bedroom? No, my father's very particular. Look, when your mother gets up in the morning, 
What does she put on her feet? Corn plaster. I, no, no, no. <laughs> she must have some kind of mules. There are two kinds of mules, silk and felt. Felt? Yes. Hasn't your mother felt mules? No, sir. She never touches any kind of animals. <laughs> Forget about the animals. Every woman likes mules. Now, my wife uses a pair of mules to go around the house. What's the matter? Is she too lazy to walk? <laughs> when she gets up in the morning, she always slips on her mule. Why don't she keep them out in the backyard? Why, my wife needs her mules, uh, to keep her feet warm. You mean you all sleep in the same bed? <laughs> sleep in the same bed. My wife keeps her mules under the bed. For goodness sakes, don't the board of health say nothing? Look, that settles it. I'm going right up to Mr. Mellahan's office and tell him that you're not fit to work in a department store. Please don't do it, uh, Abbott. Why not? Don't make me lose my job. Well, I should. I'm trying to make some Christmas money to buy my dear old mother a present. What do you mean? I wanted to get her a little pet squirrel. You want to buy, buy a little squirrel for your mother? Yes, Abbott. I figured he could help her with the housework and do the dusting. Now, wait a minute. A little uh, bit of squirrel uh, to Wait help. a minute. How could a squirrel help your mother with the dusting? We just tie up his tail and let him run between the Venetian blinds. Oh, that's... Thank you, Bud and Lou. And now let's listen to an ancient Greek named Aesop. Experience is the best teacher. Yes, experience is the best teacher. When cigarettes were scarce, most smokers took what they could get. One day, one brand, another day, some other brand. Did that experience teach anything? Listen. Actions speak louder than words. Yes, actions speak louder than words. The actions of smokers today speak louder than any words about any cigarette. For, after more experience with different brands than ever before, more smokers are asking for camels than ever before. C-A-M-E-L-S. Camels are the choice, for experience is the best teacher. Camel presents Will Osborne and his orchestra. From Will's new picture, Swing Parade of 1946, just a little fond affection.
Costello stop that pounding. Hey, what? I'm hanging up this poem I wrote over the mothballs. What does it say? Here. There once was a man named Fraser. The moths got into his blazer. They chewed up his coat and they chewed up his pants and they swallowed his shorts for a chaser. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's good. That's all right. Hey, wait a minute. A young woman just walked in. See what she wants. Hello, boys. Oh, Abbott. It's the movie actress, Bessie May Mucho. <laughs> Can I wait on you, Miss Mucho? Yes. I came in here to do a little Christmas shopping. Shopping? <laughs> yes. I would like to purchase a diamond-studded Portnum Compact. Compact? Oh, sure, Abbott. You know what a Compact is. That's what the girls carried their lip rouge and face pooter in. <laughs> I would like to have the compote robbed as a gift. You'll rob it carefully, won't you? Oh, I'll rob it very carefully. I'll tie some tween around it. I'll put it in some colored robbing paper. Oh, that will be splendid. And send the package to my winter home in Sun Voli. Hey, Abbott, you get that? We're going to send the package to her winter home in Sun Voli. Sun Voli? Yes, I go boat sledding all winter. Boat sledding? Yes. Don't you just love to go bulb sledding? No, I'd rather go tobogganing in the snoo. <laughs> well, I must be going now. And uh, bonsoir to you. And a crepe Suzette to you. <laughs> hey, Abbott, imagine that dame trying to fool me with French words. Yeah. Listen to this. Howells deserves filet mignon, pommie de terre, and demi tassy. Is that all you know? I only had the 35 cent dinner. <laughs> oh, hey, Costello. Costello. <laughs> Costello, here comes your girlfriend. Lean against her. Ah, oh, there you are, you beer barrel pole cat. <laughs> I came down the aisle and saw you talking to that dame. I can't help it, Lena. I guess it's the Van Johnson and me. <laughs> Bow your head when you say those two sacred words. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Lena. What has Van Johnson got that I haven't got? What else? <laughs> Listen, fat stuff. Mm. I know the way you fool around with girls. I can read your mind like a book. Ouch! What's the idea slapping my face? I just read page six. Abbott, call a doctor. Why don't you get to page ten? I came down here to find out what you're getting me for Christmas. Oh, I got you a beautiful bottle of perfumey. It's called Five Nights in a Drainage Canal. <laughs> Five Nights in a Drainage Canal? Yeah, it's Fleur de Sour. <laughs> I've changed my mind. You can hardly lift the cover off it. <laughs> well, I've changed my mind, Costello. I don't want any presents from you. You're nothing but a two-timing fat little flirt. Please, Lena, don't feel that way. If you just make up with me, I'll promise I'll never look at another girl if I live for a thousand years. Hello, Louis, dear. See you tonight. My, how time flies. <laughs> well, I've had enough of you, Costello. Goodbye. Going on here? What's the idea, Costello, of chasing that customer out of my store? Mr. Mellonhead. I've had enough oh. of you, Costello. Turn in your pencil and your Dixie cup. <laughs> I didn't even have a chance to drink out of it. Stop. Stop interrupting me. I'm the boss here. I've worked for 20 years to build up my store. Do you hear? 20 long years I've had my nose to the grindstone. Must have been a butte when you started. <laughs> 
get on it a little bit, too. Never mind about my hair. Look, Mr. Millenhead, why don't you give the boy another chance? Come on, give him a break. He's all right. All right, Abbott, I will. Costello, I'm going to show you how to be a salesman. Now, there's a counter over there with 100 umbrellas on it. They sell for $5 a piece. Okay. Now, Millenhead, nobody wants to pay $5 for umbrella. That's where salesmanship comes in. You've got to make them buy it. Now, I'll pretend that I'm a customer, and when I come up, you sell me one of those umbrellas. Now, here I come. Okay. Good morning, clerk. I'd like to buy an umbrella. I can let you have one for $5. $5? That's too much money. You mean you don't want it? No. See, I told you nobody wants to pay $5 for an umbrella. No, 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 no. You idiot, you moron. You've got to sell me on the umbrella. Why don't you pay attention to me, Costello? Stop eating those powder puffs. Powder puffs? I thought they were marshmallows. Well, they are powder puffs. Then I'll eat some of these lifesavers. Put those down. Those are corn plasters. They are? Yes. No wonder every time I hiccup, I taste mercurochrome. <laughs> Pay attention to me. I'm trying to teach you salesmanship for my store. And here I come again. <clears throat> Good morning, clerk. I'd like to buy an umbrella. Oh, back again, eh? What do you mean, back again? I've never been in here before. I swear you were just in here. I never figured a face, especially a long face like yours. <laughs> never mind about the length of my face. What an idiot you are. Get out from behind that counter. I'll be the clerk and you'll be the customer. Now, okay. you come up and ask for an umbrella and I'll show you how to sell umbrellas. Okay, here I come. Good morning, clerk. Good morning. Would you like to buy an umbrella? No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks? Then in heaven's name, what did you come in here for? It's raining outside. <laughs> to me, you dummy. You want an umbrella. Umbrella. Shame on you. We never call them umbrellas here in California. What do you call them? Fog sticks. Oh. <laughs> You're nothing, Costello. You're nothing but a confounded idiot. Now, you go out the front door, come in here again, and believe me, I'm going to make you buy an umbrella for $5. You are? Yes. I'm going to make you buy it. I'll show you what salesmanship really means. Now, get out that door and come in again. All right, Costello, come in. Costello. Costello, come in. Will you please come in? Melonhead's department store. Uh, this is Costello. Costello. For heaven's sakes, where are you? I'm across the street at drugstore. What are you doing over there? You're not going to stick me with no $5 umbrella. I can buy one over here for 39 cents. <laughs> Camel fans everywhere, lovely little Connie Haynes sings, It Might As Well Be Spring. I'm as restless as a willow in a windstorm. I'm as jumpy as a puppet on a string. I'd say that I have spring fever, but I know it isn't spring. Like a nightingale without a song to sing Oh, why should I have spring fever When it isn't even spring I keep wishing I were somewhere else Walking down a strange new street From a man I'm yet to meet 
Your voice is as soothing and pleasant to my ears as the smoke of a camel is to my T-zone. The T-zone. T for taste, T for throat. The zone where smokers test the smoke of any cigarette. Yes, in his own T-zone, each smoker tests for himself the smoke of a cigarette. How the first cigarette of the morning tastes on your tongue. How even the last cigarette of the day feels to your throat. Only your T-zone can tell. And millions of smokers, forced by the recent cigarette shortage to try many different brands, found that camels truly suited their T-zones to a T. That's why today, more smokers prefer camels than ever before. C-A-M-E-L-S For camels are the choice of experience. Costello, what are you doing up here in the toy department? Why aren't you working? Oh, Abbott, I love toys. Just look at this cute little electric train. I... Yes, yes, I... <laughs> that was an electric train. What, what were you doing with that train? I thought I saw an empty seat. I... <laughs> Idiot. Acting like a little kid. I ought to buy you a doll and some games. Just get me a doll. I'll think up the games. <laughs> You'd better not let Mr. Mellonhead catch you fooling around up here. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see him walking here right now. I'd, I'd tell him where to get off. Uh-huh. Oh, so you're going to tell me where to get off, eh, Costello? Yes, Mellonhead. Where do you live? 6500 Hollywood Boulevard. Well, you get off at Vine Street. You... <laughs> Apprentice moron Do you realize You haven't sold a thing all day I'm going to give you One last chance Costello Here comes one of my store's Best customers Now see if you can Wait on her Okay Come on Costello Oh oh How do you do Mrs. Nile Hello Miss Rabbit My I see you have a new Washing machine on display Oh pardon me It's Costello The tub fooled me (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Niles I don't want to have Any discussions with you Not during the happy Yuletide season Every time I talk to you, I have an awful time holding my temper in. Well, that's silly, Costello, holding your temper in and letting the rest of you spread all over the place. <laughs> oh, I wish you hadn't said that, Mrs. Niles. I was just about to say you're beautiful as a summer sky. Your eyes are like your twinkling stars. Your hair is like cloud kissed by moonbeams. Your slender white neck is like the Milky Way. And your mouth. Yes, yes, my mouth. Your mouth hangs open like the Big Dipper. <laughs> Costello, I refuse to talk to you. Uh, Miss Rabbit, I'd like to get something for my husband, Kenneth, that'll make him very happy. 
Where are you going to get a new face? Right. <laughs> All right, Costello, that's enough. Uh, tell me, Mrs. Niles, could we interest you for uh, some friend in the service? Why, yes. Now, what could you suggest for a soldier about 35? A blonde, about 21. <laughs> I am not talking to you, Costello. Miss Rabbit, uh, there's another present I have to get. Oh, it's... What is it's it? for an old flame of mine I used to run around with when I was a young girl. Well, if up. you ran around with him when you were a young girl, you'd better get him a bowl. A bowl? Yeah, and something to soak his bread in. <laughs> oh. Oh. Mr. Rabbit, I'll, I'll never forget dear Ralph. You know, he and two other boys, Roger and Grant, proposed to me one night, but I turned them all down. Yeah. Oh, you know, it made them so unhappy that the very next day, Roger took strychnine, Ralph took arsenic, and Grant took Richmond. <laughs> oh, oh, I've taken just about enough from you, Costello. I'm leaving the store and I'm never coming back. Goodbye. So, Costello, you insult my best customer. That does it. Get your hat and coat and get out. Go on, here's your week's salary. Just a minute. This doesn't look like a full week's salary. Where did I count it? Go on. 10, 20, 30... 41, 42, 43. It's all here. 43 cents. No Christmas bonus? All right, here's a bonus. 44 cents I got now. Right. All right, now get out. Well, I warned you, Costello. Now you're fired. What are you going to do? I'm not going to lose my temper. Not around Christmas time anyway. I'm going to return good for evil. I'm going to spend all my salary right here in this very store. No, I don't know how you do it, Costello. Mrs. Niles is mad at you, your girlfriend is mad at you, and now Melonhead is mad at you. But there's one person in this world that loves me. That's my Uncle Artie Stebbins' wife, my Aunt Annie. Come on, Abbott. I'm going to buy her something at the cosmetic counter. Pardon me, gentlemen. Is there anything I can do for you? We carry a full line of cosmetics. Rouge, lipstick, face cream, and cleansing tissue. Cleansing what? Tissue, tissue. Well, it seems kind of silly, but if you want to tiss me, go ahead. <laughs> You tiss me and I'll tiss you. All right, all right, Costello. Let, please, let me handle this. Look, madam, my friend here is a little confused. He doesn't know what to get his Aunt Annie for Christmas. Well, maybe I can help. What kind of a complexion does she have? Is she fair, dark, or medium? Oh, she has a peach complexion. A peach complexion? Yeah, yellow and fuzzy. <laughs> well, from the description of this lady, I imagine she could use one of our facial kits. One of your what? The lady wants to sell you a kit. What I want to buy a kit for? I'm going to get married and have kits of my own. <laughs> well, you don't understand. And this is a beauty kit with full instructions. All this lady has to do is apply some of this lotion. Then she covers her face with the white of an egg, some sour cream, and a cake of yeast. She did that once. Well, what happened? The next morning, she broke out in biscuits. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> now, you silly boy, you tickle me. Now, you tickle me first. Stop that. <laughs> Costello, if you don't buy something pretty soon, I'm going to walk out on you. Uh, well, just a minute, boys. How about something for the lady's hair? Does she have a snood? Certainly she's got a snoot. Well, um, is it a short snoot that hangs down her back? No, it's a long snoot that hangs down over her chin. Costello, the lady is talking about your aunt's hairdo. Yes, what's your aunt's hairdo? What does her hairdo? Yes. Comes out when she comes in. No, Costello, we're trying to find out how she does her hair. Does she pile it on the top of her head or does she drop it down her neck? She hangs it up in the closet. No. <laughs> Look, Costello, does she wear her hair off her face? No, it takes too long to wear it off. She has to pull it out with tweezers. <laughs> Look, miss, please. Costello's aunt is short and fat, just like him. Oh, I've got just the 
present for her. Our special weight-reducing machine called the Melt Your Belt Away Fat Cabinet. There it is, standing right over there. Lady, don't you think you're a big fake? Now, Costello, how can you call a thing a fake without trying it? Uh, how much does your aunt weigh? 240 pounds with a girdle on. Well, how much does she weigh with it off? I don't know. She could never get it off. <laughs> well, now, this machine is absolutely guaranteed to take the weight off, no matter how fat you are. If you're skeptical, young man, why don't you get into the machine and try it yourself? Now, that's fair enough. Go ahead, get into the machine, and we'll find out if it works. Wait a minute, Abbott. No, no. Now, no. go on, get Abbott. in there, get now, in there. Go on, get in there. Now, that's a good boy. Uh, yeah. Now, we'll turn on the machine, and you'll see how it melts the fat away in no time. Costello. Costello, where are you? I'm right... Speak to me. Where are you? I'm right here, Rabbit. Uh, but all I can see is a little puddle of water. Well, don't step in it. It's me. Rabbit <laughs> Costello will be back for Camel Cigarettes in just a moment. And now, this week's salute in the new series of salutes to the men who won the victory. Tonight, we salute the 36th. Texas Division, heroes of Salerno, Casino, France, and Germany. In your honor, men of the Texas Division, the makers of camels are sending to your fellow servicemen overseas 500,000 camel cigarettes. Each of the two camel radio shows thus honors the different units of the Army, Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard, a total of a million camels sent free each week. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States twice a week are rebroadcast to practically every area in the world where our men are stationed, and in cooperation with the Good Neighbor Policy, also to Central and South America. Listen next Thursday when Camel again presents Abbott and Costello. And now here Bud Abbott and Lou Costello with the final word. Ladies and gentlemen, we have had many complaints that the program is too short. So uh, we'd like to ask you a question. Ladies and gentlemen, what would you say if starting next week, you could hear a full hour of Abbott and Costello. Oh, no, not that! Anything but that! Oh, how much can a guy stand? Oh. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, you! Hey, you think you're pretty smart interrupting us every week. Huh? Yeah, I've been around. I'd like to ask you a question. <laughs> Go There's ahead. a mule on one side of the river. On the other side is a bale of hay. The river's 40 feet deep. How does the mule get the hay? I give up. That's what the other jackass did, huh? <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night. Good night, everybody. Oh, good night, everybody. And don't forget, buy, buy all the victory bonds you possibly can at your local theater. Get all you possibly can. Buy more and more. Come on, everybody in Patterson. We'll see you next week for another great Abbott and Costello show brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. And remember, try camels in your tea zone. See if they don't suit your taste, your throat, to a tea. More and more veterans of the war are being returned to civilian life every day. Many already have civilian jobs. Others are looking for jobs. Here are a few simple facts that every veteran, every employer, indeed every American should know. The average veteran will make a far better employee than before the war. His selection for service in the armed forces proved his physical and mental soundness. His training in the armed forces has probably given him special skills and know-how, useful in many civilian jobs. His service in the armed forces has given him the discipline, self-reliance, and maturity that are invaluable ingredients of success. 
Christmas shopping? Here's a suggestion. Give a man the one-pound Christmas tin of Prince Albert tobacco. When you give Prince Albert, you give a gift that'll go on giving top pleasure for a long, long time. Yes, in that one-pound Prince Albert tin are 400 pipefuls of the smoothest, grandest smoking a man ever tasted. The Prince Albert no-bite treatment takes out parch and sting, yet leaves in the rich, satisfying flavor of mellow tobaccos. And he's sure to like Prince Albert, for it's the biggest-selling pipe tobacco in the world. And be sure on Saturday night to tune in the great Prince Albert radio show, Grand Ole Opry, Coast to Coast, on NBC. The Abbott and Costello Show for Camel Cigarettes will be back at this very same time next week. Don't miss it. This is Ken Niles in Hollywood, wishing you all a pleasant good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. we present the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show. Brought to you by Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. By Dentine, the gum with breathtaking flavor, and Beam and Pepsin, the gum that's great to chew and good for your digestion, too. And by Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Get something new, something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our master of ceremonies. Good evening, folks. This is Dean Martin. Well, from the expectant look of our studio audience, the waving arm of our producer and the voice baton of our leader, I'd say Friday has come around again. It's been a mighty quiet week, although Jerry was pretty aggravated yesterday. It seems he got the wrong head back from the cleaners. But everything's all straightened out now, and Jerry's just about back to abnormal. Anyway, until he struts out here, let's spend some time together in the cool, cool, cool of the evening. Sue wants a barbecue, Sam wants to boil ham, Grace votes for boule base stew. Jake wants a wiener bake steak and a layer cake. He'll get a tummy ache too. We ran to tent or a TV. Let the town cry a cry. And if it's RSVP, this is what I'll reply. Well, in the cool, cool, cool of the evening, tell them I'll be there. In the cool, cool, cool of the evening. Better save a chance when the party's getting the glove on. Singing fills the air in the shank of the night when the dunes arrive. Tell them I'll be there. We said to Bumblebee, let's have a jubilee. When said the prairie hens soon? Sure, said the dinosaur, where? Said the grizzly bear under the light of the moon. How about you, brother jackass? 
everyone gaily cries, is you coming to the fracas over his specs his side? Well, in the cool, cool, cool of the evening, tell him I'll be there. In the cool, cool, cool of the evening, slick him on my hair. When parties are getting a glow on, singing fills the air. If I ain't in the clink and there's something to drink, tell them I'll be there. If I find the right talk by 11 o'clock, you tell them I'll be there. If you need a new face or a tenor of bass, tell them I'll be there. If I climb out of bed, put a hat on my head, tell him I'll be there. Ladies and gentlemen, it becomes my pleasure to introduce... Pardon me, Dean, but uh, Jerry asked me to hand this to you. It's his introduction. He wants you to read it aloud. Oh, so the kid wants a formal introduction, huh? Well, let's see what it says. Well, here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with great pride and joy that I introduce my partner this time. I hereby do solemnly swear that I believe him to be the funniest man alive. <laughs> that he has the world's greatest personality. That he is brilliant beyond description. That he is handsome, clever, and fantastically adorable. <laughs> here he is now, Mr. Jerry Lowe. You know you wrote that introduction. You wrote those flowery phrases. You put in all those adjectives. You wrote every single word. Tell the truth. Wasn't it thrilling? <laughs> now, listen, Jerry. I'm tired of all your cheap little tricks. From now on, I introduce you in my own way. Yeah, well, I don't like the way you make introductions. <laughs> you mean introductions? No, dictions. You talk like you got two tongues. <laughs> Are you implying that I don't articulate properly? Are you implying that I know what articulate means? Jerry, I think it's about time you settled down and acted like a normal human being. Isn't it, D. Martin? We're doing all right the way I am. <laughs> no, we're not, boy. Not since you've developed that horrible disposition. Oh, boy, not that way. It's such a horrible disposition I never saw in my whole life. Never. Oh, I have to disagree with you. <laughs> Way. You're so miserable, you won't even eat anything that agrees with you. Jerry! Well, you've gone a little too far. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I really am, Dean. Honest. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Will you forgive me, Bobby? Well, I... You know what I think of you, Deanie. You're my partner. I wouldn't trade you for the whole world. You're my friend, my pal. I love you. I love you very much. Shall we pick out the furniture? <laughs> Look, Dean, just to show you how I feel, why don't you go backstage and rest for a while? I'll hold the fort. Oh, that's mighty nice of you, boy. <laughs> I'll tell you what, 
Chair. You sang a song a few weeks ago, and lots of people asked if you'd sing another song. Now, this would be just about the right time to do it. You talked me into it. Oh, all right. <laughs> Like to Boy, say. you really sang that. 
All right, Dean. I'll never sing again. Okay. subject of who likes what, we'd like to hear a few words from Jimmy Wallington. Thank you, Dean. Ladies and gentlemen, here is something you should know if you ever suffer from the sudden pain of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia. It's a way to ease pain, often within a few minutes, a way that is incredibly fast and effective. It's anison. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, anison contains not just one but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people were first introduced to Anison through their own physicians or dentists. But today, these tablets are in such widespread use that all drug counters have them, and anyone may enjoy their benefits. Next time you suffer from the pains of a headache, neuritis, or neuralgia, by all means, try Anison. You'll like the convenience of Anison tablets. And you'll be delighted with Anison's incredibly fast action. A-N-A-C-I-N. Anison. Ask for Anison by name today at your druggist. There have been many popular ballads written around a kiss, but here's an up-and-coming ditty that's all about the biggest kiss of them all, because this kiss is big enough to build a dream on. Give me, but you alone can give 
A kiss to build a dream Thank you. Thank you very much, say I. And now let's hear what Jimmy Wallington has to say. Thank you, Dean. And now here's something of interest to everybody. the difference when you chew. Flavor on the outside, inside, too. Chicklet. Chicklet. Time the difference by the clock. Flavor lingers. Tick, tick, tock. Chicklet. Chicklet. Count the difference. Count them, cousin. Every box, an even dozen. Chicklet. 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 Get the big nickel's worth. You can taste the difference, time the difference, count the difference. And whether you chew gum to keep your mouth fresh and clean, or just for the plain fun of chewing it, you'll be better off on every count with chiclet. They're flavored on the outside, flavored on the inside. With chiclets, you don't chew the flavor out, you chew the flavor in. That's why the goodness lingers on and on. They're candy-coated. Flavor-coated. Mmm, pleasure-coated. And more fun for your money. So get the big nickel's worth. Chiclet, chiclet, chiclet. Ladies and gentlemen, the most exciting part of every show for Jerry and me is the time when we bring on our guest of the evening. And believe me, our guest tonight has caused quite a bit of excitement since the first moment she hit the public eye. She's one of our most popular young actresses and a very wonderful person, the lovely Miss Jane Russell. It's really a pleasure to have you here with us tonight. Thank you, Dino. You know, we've been friends for some time, but I'm dying to meet your partner. Really? You, you'd like to meet Jerry? Oh, I sure would. Could I watch when you feed him? <laughs> well, uh, we usually... Hey, Dean, did you see my... Wow! <laughs> Zippity-doo-dah! Jerry, you have no reason to act like this. Yes, I do. She's a girl. Say, say, how old is this kid anyway? Old enough to know when to say zippity doo Well, you're a married man, Jerry, and you act like you've never seen a girl before. That's right, Jerry. Haven't you ever seen your wife? My mother-in-law is very strict. This is no way to act in front of a lovely lady like Jane Russell. Gosh, you really Jane Russell, a movie star? Uh-huh. Boy, I bet you know a lot of the other stars. Oh, I guess I know most of them. Is Gary Cooper really a tall midget? <laughs> well, I... I want to know, is Esther Williams really Buster Crab's uncle? Oh, Jerry! <laughs> Why don't you use your head? Esther Williams is a woman, and a woman can never be an uncle. You've never met my Uncle Sadie, have you? <laughs> Jerry, forget about the other stars. Let's concentrate on Miss Russell. All righty. Zippity-doo-doo! <laughs> I don't know why you say that, Jerry. I'm just an average girl. Listen, <laughs> baby. If you're an average girl, I've been going out with boys.
me something, Dean. Is he for real? Let me answer that, Dean. I ain't really jerky, Jane. Honest. They just make me act like this. Way down deep, I'm really a great dramatic actor. <laughs> yeah, he really means it, Jane. Jerry would love to be the tough hero in one of your movies. Well, let's give him a chance tonight. I have nothing to lose but my career. <laughs> well, I'm a sport. Let's give it a whirl. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who did not see that great Western picture, The Outlaw, our stars have prepared their own dramatic version. We are proud to present Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Jane Russell in... The In-Law. <laughs> Into the night, and with the speed of light, we hear the sound of hoofs and the wild, terrifying cry of... I hope platinum! <laughs> Slow down already, I'm getting nauseous. <laughs> It's Billy the Kid. Two guns, two fisted, two headed Billy the Kid. Clean from justice, he rides by day and by night to the arms of his sweetheart, Lola. Lola! Maybe you got a little baking soda. <laughs> Lola, I've been riding three days and three nights to reach you. Oh, you must be tired. Sit down. I said I've been riding three days and three nights. <laughs> Gosh, Billy. How does it feel to be the toughest, most feared bandit in all the West? Well, I'll tell you, girl. <laughs> Every day I get up and I ride across the prairie. I rob a bank, hold up a stagecoach, rustle some cattle, shoot a sheriff, go home and count my loot. Then I stand up, take a deep breath and say to myself, Eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Billy, how I've missed. Take me in your arms and kiss me. Here, no, not in front of my horse. <laughs> Billy, Billy, someone's coming. It's the sheriff. Hide in the back room quick. He'll never find you there. How do you know? We don't have a back room. <laughs> All right, you two. Reach for it. Reach for what? <laughs> don't confuse me. I missed rehearsal. <laughs> You'll never take me alive. Okay, then I'll take you the way you are. <laughs> now, what are you charging him with, Sheriff? He wants me for pinching cattle. You mean punching cattle? No, pinching. It happened while I was milking one. <laughs> Can you prove this, Sheriff? You're darn tootin', lady. We caught him white-handed. <laughs> <laughs> you the kid. You're nothing but a yellow-bellied, chicken-livered, cowardly rat. Now, watch your language. There's a member of the weakest sex in this room. Shall I leave? <laughs> Come on, boys. Let's settle this peacefully. How about a drink? I'll take three fingers of rye. I'm thirsty. Well, I'll take three fingers of scotch. I'm thirsty. I'll take three fingers. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm going to fill you full of lead, boy. Now... Careful, Sheriff. Billy's the best shot in the West. There ain't nobody tough in Billy the Kid, see? Why, I'm so tough, I wear spurs on my boots. So what? Everybody wears spurs. 
On the inside? <laughs> show what you can do with a gun, Billy. Go on, show him. Okay, watch me, Sheriff. I'm going to light this cigarette with my gun. Ain't you afraid you'll hit your nose? Me? Shoot my nose? <laughs> watch this. Well, things didn't smell so wide open spaces for a minute because it's time for all of us to sound off the chest field. Jingle bells will soon be ringing. Santa Claus will soon be bringing Christmas gifts for girls and guys. Here's the gift to satisfy. Chesterfield. 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 A Christmas garden of milder, milder Chesterfield. That's right. Folks, with Christmas just 11 days away, remember that your neighborhood Chesterfield dealer is ready to serve you with a complete line of Christmas gifts. So drop in on him. The first thing that'll catch your eye will be his beautiful display of Chesterfield Christmas cartons. Folks, this carton is your holiday greeting card. And inside is your present. Mild to Chesterfield. Remember, Chesterfield is something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield mildest, plus no unpleasant aftertaste. So this year, give your friends Christmas card cartons of Chesterfield and for your own smoking pleasure all year around. Everybody makes a lot of mistakes when they are young, and most of us continue to make them as we grow older. Still, it's a comforting thought to know that you do learn from each mistake you make. This is a thought that has been beautifully summed up in one of my all-time favorites. I hope it's a favorite of yours, too. So, Mr. Stabile...
Geraldine, every week you sing better and better. Of course I do, Jerry. After all, I happen to have a great voice, a sensational style of singing, the most wonderful arrangement and selections of songs. Dean, you simply must get over that feeling of inferiority. <laughs> well, I was just kidding, Jerry. Say, Jane, I hope you had a good time on the show tonight. Oh, I sure did, Dean. Oh, it was a ball. Well, you could have fooled me. I thought it was a radio show. <laughs> Jane, it was really nice having you with us tonight. He's right, Jane. You've been a wonderful sport, and Dean and I are looking forward to seeing you in your new RKO picture, Double Dynamite, with Groucho Marx and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Good night, folks. Good night, Jane. Good night, Jane. Well, folks, that wraps up another show. Look in again next week if you can. Until then... This is Dean Martin. And Jerry Lewis reminding you that we appear on radio through the courtesy of Hal Wallace Productions, producers of our soon-to-be-released picture, Sailor Beware. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. From Hollywood, you have just heard transcribed the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show. Written by Ed Simmons and Norman Lear. Produced and directed by Dick Bank, with music under the direction of Dick Stabile. Brought to you by Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. By Dentine, the gum with breathtaking flavor. And Beeman Pepsin, the gum that's great to chew and good for your digestion, too. And by Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Get something new, something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield mildness, plus no unpleasant aftertaste. Here, Duffy's Tavern with Archie on NBC.